Welcome to The Fraction, your dose of ideas, discussion, and discovery in the realm of radiation therapy. This is part four in our four-part series of discussions with all-stars from the 2018 World Championships of Treatment Planning. Now, the winning overall plan, which required a combination of plan quality and true composite QA, that was a VMAT plan from John Stenbeck, who we all met in part one of this series. However, did you know that the two highest plan quality scores were actually Proton plans? Yep, they were, and we have those two planners in this unique collection of folks here today. Denny Franson, who works at the Holland PTC in the Netherlands, and Ray Dolphson, who works at Royal Adelaide Hospital in Australia. We're also joined by Brandon Stone, a radiation oncologist who works in South Carolina and who had the highest pinnacle planning system score in QA. And yes, you heard me right, he is a radiation oncologist who submitted his own plan. And finally, we have Alexei Moyasev, a physicist from MedScan, who will join us all the way from Moscow, Russia. You might guess that the topic of proton versus photon treatments comes up, and it does, specifically how to compare them fairly. And it's an important discussion, as yet with no clear answers, but lots of good questions. We also talk about the value of teamwork. We relay some early successes with automated planning. And really we touch on the dedication of a guy who registered for a treatment plan competition that in his time zone ran from midnight till 4 a.m. You're tuned into The Fraction. This has been Nelms. Let's get started, and let's hear from Ray Dolphson, who has joined us all the way from the land down under. I'm Ray. I'm, I'm from Adelaide in South Australia. Um, I actually, when when we first started to do this um, planning study, I actually started on Pinnacle VMAT um, because I figured that would probably be the best way to do it. But uh, I, I guess out of um, some kind of luck a lot of the um servers were being used and um i found the optimizer getting well the speed of it was going to be really slow so um we do a lot of proton comparative planning in um, adelaide at the moment um we're aiming to build a proton facility um somewhere between 2020 and 2022 um so i've been using eclipse protons for a while um so i decided to do the plan on that um uh, yeah, what, what, sorry, what else did you want to know? No, no, that, I love that background. What kind of, uh, what's the schedule on your facility and what, what kind of proton unit will it be? There's, there are several options. Yeah. So, um, I, I mean, I can't really say too much at the moment because there's a lot of the stuff is kind of, um, confidential, but, uh, we're aiming to build a, we, we've got a big biomedical precinct, um, that's being built at the moment in Adelaide. We've got a brand new radiation oncology facility, a brand new hospital. Um, things are really going good um, right in almost in the middle of the city, actually. Um, so we're planning to build a, a huge um, medical research institute uh, and put a proton facility in there. So I can't really t talk too much about vendor or or um, types at the moment, but um, that's what we're aiming to do um, in the next coming years, which will be, which will be really interesting. But we've... Um, used a couple of different planning systems and um yeah eclipse was the one i chose for this for this plan well that is kind of a good serendipity because one of the topics we can cover uh is is how do you decide when so you'll have the option someday in the future how do you decide when you prefer protons versus vmat versus imrt weighing the availabilities and, and weighing the, for the for the patient what would be best so that'll be a good topic for this conversation yeah um alexi why don't you introduce yourself yeah thank you um my family name is Maisiev. i'm from moscow russia we have a small uh, private clinic its name is metscan so we have only one uh, trooping machine and uh, normally we're planning uh on eclipse uh, it's the only available option for us uh, but we have a special design uh, of Eclipse, it's um, Citrix-based, so it's not the real workstation, so it's somewhere in the cloud. 
and we have two servers, uh, special servers for calculation, for fast calculations. Um, yeah, normally we treat uh, patients with DMAT and IMT, all the techniques. Very good, and Ed, and uh, I'll go back and, and ask Ray the same question, but I forgot. But give us a little bit of your history in in radiation therapy. Um, how long have what's your role? How long have you been uh, doing treatment planning, etc.? Yeah, I, I'm already for uh, eleven years in radiation oncology uh, as a medical physicist, and now I'm head of the department of medical physics physics in in this private hospital. Oh, wow. Yeah, and I have experience in uh, quite a lot of treatment systems uh, from uh, Multiplan on CyberKnife, uh, Eclipse, XIO, uh, Monaco systems. So <laughs> I really can compare <laughs> a lot of them. That's great. That will be a useful background as well. So now let's rewind, go back to you. Uh, go back to you, Ray, a little bit of your history in the industry. Yeah, sorry, I should have mentioned that before. So um, I'm a radiotherapist. So I was working for four years clinically. Um, and in the past two years, I've been non-clinical, uh, working in a research role. So back to what I was saying before, um, I've been doing a lot of proton comparative planning, um, but also I do a lot of um, research and kind of innovation um, dosimetry stuff with mainly SRS and um, SABRE. Uh, so at our department, we're a four-LINAC department. Um, we're quite a, a big public centre in South Australia. We're the only public centre um, in our state, which covers about one and a half million people. Um, so we're quite busy. Um, and, yeah, a lot of the work we do is with, um, yeah, Sabre and SRS. Um, Pinnacle, uh, Brain Lab and Eclipse are the planning s uh, systems we use. So we've... We've got a fair bit of variety and a fair bit to pick from there. That's really interesting. That sounds like a, a pretty attractive role to have. Where you, are, is is it is your job to be to be on the forefront of help determining what you'll what are the best treatment options? So it's more of a research role for clinical application. Yeah, essentially, it's a really interesting role um, to be honest, and I'm I'm very blessed to be to be in it. Um, I guess it it got born out of the move to the to the brand new hospital which i mentioned before and um we the department uh shifted a lot of its focus to to making sure that you know it was on the forefront of utilizing our technology we've got four true beam machines so wanted to make sure that they were fully utilized to their capacity but also because australia is such a big country um we didn't want to have patients having to travel interstate um routinely for for, you know, technology for treatments that um, were potentially available in our centre. So we in, engaged the role to um, to really make sure that you know all the machine stuff and all the dosimetry was quite up to date. But also as well, um, I aid a lot of the radiation oncologists and especially a lot of the junior doctors in um, their trials that they're doing. Um, you know, they'll often um, consult me on, you know, from a radiotherapist perspective or a dosimetrist perspective. Um, and all, yeah, doing a lot of the um, the kind of legwork in some of the research projects going on at the hospital. Yeah, that sounds like a, sounds like a neat job. Yeah, it's very fun. <laughs> all right, we're, we're going to, we got a lot of different interesting technology discussions to get into, but let's now introduce who has joined us from the Netherlands. So we've, We've been to uh, Australia, we've been to Moscow, now we are going to the Netherlands. Well, my name is Danny Franse. Uh, I work at Holland PTC in Delft, the Netherlands. Um, and I uh, am an RTT here. Uh, we are a strictly proton facility. So uh, I used to work in a photon clinic, but in the last year and a half working in the proton clinic, uh, we are a starting facility. So we're still busy uh, commissioning the machines. Uh, so at this moment, we are uh, investigating uh, how to do the best plan techniques, uh, which patients are available uh, in our region and have a benefit for proton plants. Uh, so also for this, yeah, this was really a good opportunity for us to uh, try another indication for protons, the, because right now we are strictly focusing on the intracranial cases um, and also at a neck. So this was uh, a good change 
and, and uh, we've used the uh, Ray Search, uh, the Ray Station version six, and uh, I made an IMPT plan for this competition. That's great. And finally, we have Brandon Stone. Some people may know you from uh, prior interviews we've done. I think for the last planned study was your first one with Prono, and you got the top pinnacle score. You got the top pinnacle score again. Why don't you introduce yourself? Sure. So, yes, uh, as you said, I'm Brandon Stone. Um, I'm a radiation oncologist in Columbia, South Carolina, in the United States, at a community private practice called South Carolina Oncology Associates. Um, and I've been uh, an assisting radiation oncologist for the past three years, and I started getting into planning about a year and a half ago a bit, just kind of dabbling a bit um, with uh, Pinnacle and specifically within the auto planning module of Pinnacle. Um, and uh, the plan that uh, I created was a, a three full arc VMAT plan um, within Pinnacle, as I mentioned. Tell us a little bit about your background. How'd you get into radiation oncology? How long have you been here? Sure. Um, and so, I uh, I was in, you know into radiation oncology. Uh, we got some exposure to it. Um, very little in medical school, and then within the uh, year of research I did at the National Institutes of Health in Bethesda, Maryland, um, I did get some, some uh, exposure to radiation oncology through the Naval Hospital there. It was uh, ended up being the specialty I liked the most, um, you know, working with the patients and then the physics and the technology. And uh, I ended up going to residency at William Beaumont Hospital in Royal Oak, Michigan. Uh, and I graduated there. It's almost three years now. And then uh, down to South Carolina. Um, and it's been uh, it's been very rewarding. It's very rewarding work. I like working with the patients and having the. Uh, you know, doing some of the dabbling and the planning on the side has been uh, also been a lot of fun and very rewarding and uh, very interesting. Well, your dabbling is uh, is proving to work very well. So congratulations to all of you and thanks for being here. Denny, who is here, actually produced the plan with the highest absolute plan score, and it was a proton plan with Ray Station. Ray, who's also here, was also a proton plan with a different TPS, Eclipse. So that's very unique, and there's this topic of, um, and then Brandon had the highest pinnacle score, and then Alexi, well, one of the highest uh, IMRT scores. Three different modalities, three different planning systems, four different nations. That's a pretty interesting group. I want to kick off with this uh, question. We'll go one by one again. This uh, particular plan study was timed. So we wanted to put people in this realistic environment of having a deadline. And then, of course, we wanted to put the, the, the emphasis on how high a quality plan or how much can you meet these specific goals in that specific time. We'll go one by one. And if you can kind of explain how that four-hour time window went, what steps did you take to create a plan that was such a high quality in a time-constrained environment? Denny, why don't you explain... Uh, how that time period went for you? Well, well I first started out um, after loading the data set into RayStation, uh, yeah, just looking at the patient, looking at how the, the targets were defined, uh, seeing where the challenges could, could lie within this plan. Uh, and for myself, the, the, the trick I always use to start with a patient uh, is just to keep it as simple as possible and just have a first guess. Um, regarding the beam arrangement and just see what what kind of coverage I can get and then see how far I am away from the, the DVH parameters I want to achieve. Um, I think for this time competition, it was a good thing for me that we had the, 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 the goals up front. So what we did is uh, we already imported these goals as uh, clinical goals in race station. So I had that as a direct feedback from the system which really helped me in yeah, really digging down into the plan. And after a few iterations, I had a pretty nice score. So yeah, that was really more or less a simple start and then just digging down on the most important parts with the highest points. So, so specifically, RayStation allows you to take the metrics that, that were published for everyone, the metrics that were going to be scored, and you could I'm guessing during your optimization, you could extract those and see the uh, see them directly. Is that correct? Yeah, you have a real-time update of, the, of these clinical goals. So yeah, you see them change from orange to green. So then you know you've achieved one, and then you can focus on the next. 
So that makes it quite simple just to keep the problem as simple as possible because otherwise you're getting lost in all these different parameters and it's especially in a in a four hour period it's quite hard uh, for us it was at night so it, it was an extra difficulty uh, to keep the focus on where do you want to go with your plan yeah understood sorry about that you you were working late that night over over in europe um you said your site um holland pc P, ptc is exclusively proton right Yes, yes. Did you use any, did, did you basically use the same technique you would use for any patient or did you have any special techniques or uh, uh, experiments that you tried in this study? There were some planning studies done uh, for cervical cancer patients with protons. So uh, coming up to the competition, I read a few articles about, about this and looked at the planning approach they would take. Um, and I just implemented that in the plan. Uh, so the beam arrangement was quite simple. It was just a four field, yeah, more or less what you would do uh, 10 years back with 3D CRT, uh, just an anterior, posterior, and two lateral beams. And I just applied that to protons. So it was not that difficult. That's great. I guess it was good timing that you had been doing some cervical case studies before this plan study. So that was that worked out well for you. Um, very good. Now, Now let's stay on the proton track. And now, Ray, if you can go a little bit deeper and explain uh, what you started with earlier, how, uh, what led you to do a proton plan instead of a photon plan on this one, and then tell us about your experience during the process. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm actually really happy, Denny, that you said that you kind of just approached this as you would, you know, a, a normal clinical plan clinically, because that's, I think, what the most important thing was with, with the four-hour deadline was I'm not trying to cut corners or, or do anything irregularly, but more so just follow the process as you w would usually. Um, I guess I, I did start with a VMAP plan, but when I looked at the volumes, um, I actually did a study last year for um, the RSS ASM um, on a prostate nodal um, planning study. Um, and the volumes were very, very similar. So in my head, I, it kind of clicked, oh, maybe I'll try a, a proton plan with this a proton approach. And like Danny said previously, you're looking at the volumes, it was really kind of simple for me to look at it and, um, and use three beams with just two laterals and a PA. Um, when I look at, you know, a big fields like this, especially when I'm using protons, I really like to kind of imagine the dose fall off in my head um, and kind of estimate what is possible um so i guess that's really how i started the the planning study with protons but uh yeah I, I really kind of worked it as i would any normal plan um under any untimed conditions so usually i, I try and work um the plan to to have a very uniform dose coverage before i, I think of anything else um so that probably took me about half an hour to really um get my structures right and and really keep my conformity um, in nice and tight while still having really uniform doses throughout the P PTV. I think that was probably the, the most important thing to me to achieve. And then from there, like, like Danny said previously as well, just chip away at the OARs and really um, kind of see what, where I wanted to pick up points and where I was happy to lose them. Uh, from a bit of experience from pre previous planning studies, uh, when I got the metrics uh, the week or two weeks beforehand, I, I kind of marked on the DVHs where I where I thought I'd be able to achieve um, scores, where I'd be able to get points, but also I highlighted to myself where I'd be able to, you know, lose a couple of points, but it not really make a huge impact on my score, um, because I guess with four hours really, it, it's very easy to to look at the planning metrics and get a little bit overwhelmed and a little bit confused. But I think, yeah, just taking a really rational um, and regimented approach as what I'd usually um, do to a, to a normal clinical plan is really, was really the most important thing, I think. One thing I noticed, and maybe you can comment on this, uh, or maybe you answered it already when you said you had done a prostate plan study. I noticed that you used, 
uh, you were you kept it with just three proton beams. How did you decide three, and how did you find the optimal angles? Because proton beams are static, you have to find the optimal angles. Yeah. So when I um, did the pro the prostate nodal um, plan study before, uh, it was based on a, a saber fractionation pattern, so only five fractions. So I, I guess uh, subconsciously I. I've always thought never enter anteriorly because there's so much um, potential for, for range uncertainty, for, for the distance to be changed, you know, through a multitude of reasons such as breathing or, or differing bladder filling. So that's really where I got the three um, beams from and, and really just keeping it simple, uh, like Danny said before, again, you know, just the two laterals to work either side of the PTV and then the posterior beam, um, kind of works around uh, what those two beams can't cover while trying to make the plan more conformal and also avoid the bladder um, a lot more rather than using an anterior beam or relying on those two lateral beams to, to get your coverage um, homogeneity and also conformity. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, I can't wait till we start uh, comparing and contrasting uh, uh, topics of protons and photons, which I think I want to make a, a highlight of, of this particular interview since we have two of the four that did a proton plan. Let me go now to Brandon. And uh, Brandon, you, you can explain your process and answer the question. But one thing, if you can work it in, your, uh, your plan was extremely efficient in terms of monitor units. I think the total, there were you uh, you chose to use only three VMAT beams, even though up to four were allowed. So very efficient, uh, you know, more efficient in terms of the number of arcs, but also your total monitor units. I'm looking here were only 674, and to achieve such a high score, in fact, the highest for Pinnacle VMAT, with one of the lower monitor units we saw. How on earth did you do that? Um, yeah, I mean that uh, the MU portion of it, and I can go over the rest also. I mean, start with that it's really that's not intentionally done i guess that's just kind of a uh, a side effect and uh, not something i can entirely explain of the algorithm i use to do all of the planning um, and so essentially this plan was created using the same algorithm i had discussed and i used for the sbrt plan challenge um, but because of the limited planning time i created a template prior to the start of the contest um, essentially, I, I replanned three of my previous GYN cases using my algorithm and the uh, plan quality metric scoring that was released prior to the competition. And once the three plans were created, I simply just combined the target optimization goals and the OARs from the three plans into a final template. Um, and then once the competition began, I loaded the template and I pressed start on the auto plan. And really, I, mean, and I just submitted the results. Um, without any kind of additional optimizations or iterations other than some slight uh, MU increases. Um, and there was, I mean, it, there was some significant room for improvement with the algorithm I used, but um, the auto plan took about two hours to run. Um, and so there's uh, not, not time for a second iteration. You did, but you did manual uh, tweaking after the first auto plan iteration? No, I mean just the MUs. I increased the uh, increased kind of the MUs a little bit, or you know, to maximize the score. You can kind of submit it and see where your score is at, and say, well, um, you know, I, I can increase the MUs a little bit to, you know, my score will be a bit higher if I push up the uh, um, the uh, uh, the MUs to get a bit more coverage. And so you kind of increase it, you know, a couple MUs at a time, and then resubmit it and say, oh, okay, I'm a little bit higher. You know, a little bit higher, a little bit higher. Oh, now I'm getting lower again. Let me back off, you know, half an MU or something. How did and you know, I didn't do any manual optimizations or kind of tweaking other than just adjusting the monitor units a little bit. Interesting. So how many, estimate how many different plans did you score? How many iterations in that four hours were you able to try? Um, well, it was just the, uh, um, it was just the one time I could run, you know, the auto plan. Um, it took about two hours to finish running, and so within a four-hour time frame, there's no way I was going to be able to, you know, I couldn't trust it to run again and then be able to submit it. So it was just the one time that I could push go on the auto plan. Um, and then, uh, um, you know, and actually I had at the same time, you know, I had uh, two 
of the same, like I had the vol, I had it in twice. I had two patients with the same volumes, you know, in twice. Because sometimes as you run the auto plan, you know, one, for some reason, one will be a little bit better than the other. So I ran, uh, you know, like two of the same volumes with the same template for the auto plan. But, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, for one reason or another, if you run the same thing twice, it gets a little bit better. Um, and so it was, you know, one iteration each with the same template, I suppose. And you can't, you know, I didn't really do any tweaking afterwards or kind of manual optimizations or change waiting to run it again. Um, that's not really a, a skill set I have. I really just, I have the, uh, I have this process I work with with the auto planner. Um, and that involves multiple iter- iterations of running the auto plan, but on a limited time frame like this, you can't, you know, I only get one iteration with the auto plan. That's interesting, but it obviously, that iteration worked pretty well to jump up to such a high score. During those two hours, yeah. were you almost, were you almost like clenching your hands saying, boy, I wish I could be doing something huh. here? <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, we had, uh, there were a lot of people standing behind. We had several people from my institution trying to stay behind. We did pizza, and they were, they were, they were running their own plans. So, it's, uh, yeah, there really wasn't much to do during that two hours other than eat some pizza and talk and try not to distract the other people who were actively working. Now, that you know what? That should be Philip's marketing angle for auto planning. It's like press go and eat pizza. That would right. probably work. <laughs> I, and and before, we, uh, before we get Alexi's summary, I, I really do just want to point out, and I, you, all of you can go, anybody listening can go to Prono, whether you participated or not, and you can do advanced analytics like C-score versus monitor unit score versus estimated beam on time. And Brandon, I just, so I don't know maybe when you use Pinnacle, you don't realize, but the 674 monitor units, I'm looking over everything now, they were very, most of the plans submitted were 6 MV, very few were under 1,000 monitor units, that's for VMAT, of course, IMRT requires more. The only, uh, the ones I'm seeing that made it below 1,000, most of them were using 10 or even 15 MV, so it's kind of understandable why those might need a few less, but there's something really efficient going on with your with your monitor units, I don't know if it's a, it's it's pretty interesting because I think that would translate to a, a faster delivery, potentially a, a more accurate delivery. So that it's interesting. Um, you may not have even known. And I think that's just a side effect of the auto planning. I think when I when every time I've used auto planning, I mean, it seems like it does. Um, I, I don't know exactly what it's doing to accomplish that, but I think I don't know if I can really take credit for that. I think that's just the auto planner edge and. Uh, the way it works um, yeah. as part of the uh, human plus machine system it, it's producing that interesting and notable result for for 6mb all right alexi why don't you uh take us through your process and it, so and specifically i want to ask you why do you it sounds like you're a master of many different types of planning systems i think you named at least five so you probably had a lot of options at your disposal for modality uh tell us why you chose to do imrt and then tell us how you got to such a good score in four hours uh yeah my main consideration was about time it's a limited time for planning and I know that VMAT is much slower uh, in optimization compared to RMIT. So I decided to go for RMIT uh, just because of the speed of the planning, speed of optimization. So, and as I said, I have Citrix, so actually I did my plan from my, uh, from my home uh, because it's not possible to do it during midnight in the job, you know. So my planning started in the midnight. Oh, sorry. <laughs> in Moscow. <laughs> yeah, but I have a, a remote connection uh, to the Citrix, and so I plan from my, just from my bed, let's say. And, uh, yeah, because of a limited time, I decided to use Armati, but first of all, I, of course, checked uh, all the contours. Shame on me, I have no preparation at all, so... Uh, just at the midnight, I start downloading everything and prepare everything. And uh, first thing I have done, I checked the contours. Uh, now, clinical situation, we always check support uh, devices like couch. And uh, one thing I have noticed, and I didn't know, does anybody did it or not, but I changed the contrast in the bow. Uh, because I see the contrast during the CT scanning, and normally we change it uh, on the water. We had, uh, for this particular patient, it's a good point, for this particular patient, 
the, um, the providing institution ha uh, provided a CT that was with contrast and without, but actually it was with vaginal marker and without. So we used the one without the marker for the planning because that wouldn't be there during treatment. Um, you're talking about contrast in the bowel though. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think uh, uh, patching that in with water would be the normal routine, so you definitely did the right thing. Yeah, so I just changed uh, the contrast on uh, HU0, uh, like water, and uh, then start planning on amity. And actually, my first plan was uh, like 105 uh, points, uh, so at least I had passed all the requirements. Um, and it was quite fast. Uh, my first beam arrangement was uh, based on my experience, so I place uh, beams uh, to have uh, uh, to, to shape the target, let's say, because it's have quite uh, difficult shape. It's not an easy target, so I, I decided to place it uh, by my own. Uh, but uh, lately, I changed change my mind. And I have nine beams if uh, separated on the same angle, just to give some room for optimization. Yeah, and I see they were all coplanar, so there were no couch angles in you. They were all, it was mono-isocentric. How did you choose the nine angles? Were, did you manually adjust those to see if the optimized plans came out better? Yeah, I started with manual adjustment, but then I decided to just to uh, regular placing on the same separation from beams to beam. Very so good. it's like uh, 40 degrees or something like uh, from beam to beam. Very good. And then, it's not, not, yeah, yeah. Did you, um, so you said your, your first, you did a quick plan first, you met all the minimal requirements with a score of 104. At some point you got up to a very high score, which I think I mentioned before was the third highest IMRT score of almost 134. How many iterations do you think did it take to get from your starter plan to your final plan? Uh, it, it's, it's not too much. First, I improved my plan uh, based on my manual placing of fields till 115 or something like that. And then I changed my mind and uh, used uh, regular spacing from beams and easily achieve uh, the highest score. My main problem was actually a place of dose maximum right. because it trended in the RMT to, to spread out of uh, CTV uh, 15. That is an interesting metric. So if you're searching for those last couple, we never weight it very heavy, but we do try to make it so that can people steer wherever that global max is? Can they steer it at least inside of the PTV and even even inside the CTV if possible. So did you have to use tricks to steer it back inside the target? Yeah, I quite heavily uh, limited the shells. So I created some shells uh, to limit it, uh, the dose maximum uh, out inside the shell and to, to push it inside of CTV 50 actually. And I think I spent one hour just uh, optimizing the dose maximum. Wow. Oh, well, okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use this as a, as a question for the group then. Um, do you think that's a metric that matters or not? Should we stop using it in plan study? Like one reason to use it is because during that hour, it, it might have been inefficient, but it was kind of testing your skills of how you can use your planning system. But clinically speaking, is that something that you would prefer the global max inside of a target? Is that something you would even care about clinically? And I'd like to get an answer from each of you. And we'll start with Alexi since you're already on the line. Yeah, thank you. And our physicians, they actually require uh, those maximum to be in, uh, in, in a target. Oh. Yeah, in the GTV. So for us, it's uh, quite relevant. Oh, that's that's good news. Brandon, what's your opinion on this specific metric? Um, you know, as long as, uh, and we do look at that, and as long as it's in the PTV, I'm usually happy. Um, you know, the, in the GTV is even better, but that's not even something I usually will pay attention to. If it's outside the PTV, um, it's not a deal breaker, but I usually will ask the dosimetrist, hey, can you, you know, I'll say, oh, look, this, this max dose is outside my PTV, especially if it's in one of my OARs. If it's in some soft tissue that's not an OAR, I might not make as big of a fuss about it, but if it's in the, uh, 
you know, if it's in with, you know, one of my, you know, like the, the heart or if it's in somewhere that's, you know, the bowel, then I might say, you know, can we push it more towards the PTV? Oh, it actually gave me an idea then because it, so you're saying it's it's relevant for a plan study. We could actually make it even more useful and we could say you get points for PTV or GTV just like we do now. We I could also add penalties if it occurs in the in in an OAR and not in some non-specific. So maybe it's if, if it's in a non-specific tissue, you just get zero. If you get PTV, you get some points, GTV maybe a little more. But if you get in an OAR, a, pen, a negative points. Yeah, I think it's fair. I mean, I think that kind of captures what you just said. Um, good. Now, Ray and Denny, what's your opinion on this? I think for proton planning, it's probably not something that's difficult to do to get the max point inside the target, is it? Um, no, it was relatively easy for myself to get it in the target. Um, having said that, though, I mean, it, with proton planning, it really depends on what approach you take. For instance, um, normally if I was planning a, a clinical style plan, I'd use robust optimization, which, um, you know, you, you view a nominal plan, but the dosimetry isn't necessarily like that. You're looking at more so a bandwidth on DBH rather than um, a specific dosimetry on, on an axial or, or on a CT data set. So not so much um, in that regard. However, when our physicians are reviewing plans, they'll look at the DMAX, but then they'll also look at isodoses close to that. So say if DMAX is 107, they'll look at where 105 and 106 are just to kind of put everything in a bit more perspective on an individual basis. Okay, but you didn't have to fight specifically for that particular metric to get a global max inside of the, at least the PTV, doesn't sound like. Uh, no, yeah. no. What about you, Denny? Was that pretty easy for you and your proton system? Yeah, I think it was the same as, uh, as Ray said. It's uh, quite easy to steer the, the DMAX where you want it. And also what uh, Alexei and Brendan said, it's, sometimes it can be uh, clinically important where the DMAX is exactly located. So uh, I think the basic part, it should be within the target if possible and sometimes uh, away from a uh, organ at risk, especially when you have higher prescribed doses. Uh, say for example, for uh, a condor sarcoma, which uh, would have 74 grade to the CTV and a optic nerve right next to it. So it can be uh, very important in the clinical plan. Very good. I'm, I'm glad to get everyone's uh, opinion. We will keep leaving that metric in most, if not all, of the plan studies. So more and more, we're doing plan studies where a clinical planning team for a particular uh, meeting, for example, puts together, I work with them, and they put together their plan scoring. Um, and that's one I usually uh, suggest adding. That, as well as a confirmation number, can be pretty powerful. Um, I want to address a different, uh, uh, kind of on the line of what Ray was saying, because this has come up. And it, it has come up with what we do with Prono, but I think in general, it's 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 a con, it's a discussion that needs to happen. And the discussion I would cast as, what is the fairest and most reasonable way to do modality comparison, specifically VMAT slash IMRT versus Proton? It's important because as you're putting it, as people are putting in Proton centers, they're going to have to determine which patients where where it's enough of a benefit. So you need an apples to apples comparison. However, and uh, Denny and Ray can correct me if I get this wrong, this idea of robustness with protons, it's much more sensitive to things like patient position, patient shape, even the uncertainty of the energy and the range straggling. So we're, I think it was Ray who mentioned having these bands. You can look at this beautiful plan on the screen and then know that that won't happen that way. So most proton facilities use some kind of robustness analysis, whereas with photons, uh, it's it's pretty robust with respect to changes in patient shape and 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 there's not an uncertainty with the energy per se. And we, you can use margins. Margins take care of most of what we need to do, which leaves us with this conundrum, and that is how can we really, both prono for plan studies, but the industry as a whole, how can we fairly compare uh, protons versus photons. Speaking from a, a protons perspective and also my years in the, in the photon clinic, um, in the last year and a half, I've been 
making the transition towards the proton planning and also the discussion about robust optimization, robustness, evaluation of, of proton plants and discussing this also with, uh, with, the, with the doctors. And it's a, it's a difficult discussion because you have so many uncertainties to take, a, to take into account when looking at a, a nominal plan, as Ray said. Um, and it also depends on how you do your robustness evaluation because there's, in every center it could be slightly different and it gives you a slightly different result. So I think there's still no clear-cut truth on what is a robust proton plan and that's, that makes the discussion a bit difficult. It, just while you're while along those lines, I, I I'll give you an example of why this is a real issue. We had it wasn't this plan study; it was um, one of the prior ones. I can't remember which one, to be honest. I think it was a proton specific one that the Mayo Clinic did for uh, PTCOG, and we had one institution that said, "Hey, we have a plan here where we got a great score, but it's not a plan." we would treat, the one we would treat gets a much lower score, so we're going to submit both of them. And it was really kind of, they were they were telling us, and probably rightly so, that the way PRONO does plan studies doesn't lend itself to protons as well, because we're kind of looking at this optimal situation. How, If you could design a, a plan study that did account for proton plans and robustness, how would you do that? I think the easiest way would be to uh, instead of using the PTV for photons, use uh, the same uh, CTV PTV margin as a robust uh, margin for your proton plants, and then looking at the proton plants separate from the photon plants, and then see if you see any differences between them. And it's also similar to what we do uh, right now here in the Netherlands, because we get patient referral from photon uh, departments. Um, and we do these comparisons, so the clinical photon plan compared to a proton plan, and then see if this patient can come for a proton treatment. Is it hard to do so, that objectively, though? Because I think you said you're, you're looking at DVH with error bars on it, essentially, whereas a photon will have smaller error bars. If you, if you did a robustness simulation for photons, it would have some error bars, too. You could simulate potential setup errors, et cetera. They'd be smaller. Can you make this objective? And I don't know the answer to that question, but I think it's an important question because at some point, not only for determining should this patient be referred to a proton center, but the question of reimbursement, should this, you know, payers are going to say, why would we send, go pay for protons when we could be doing IMRT here? It's, it's, it's a hot topic, I think, or it should be. Yeah, so like, like Danny mentioned, it, it is a really difficult topic to approach and, and we've had... Um, a lot of trouble kind of formulating a, uh, you know, I'll use the term robust approach to to this um, comparative planning. But at the moment, what we try and do is do two separate clinical style plans. Um, I think ICRU 78 recommends that for planning studies, uh, proton planning studies, you still submit um, the dose to uh, the PTV as you would with a photon planning study, but uh, we've had a, a couple of our um, on radiation oncology leads um, do overseas clerkships um, where they're able to, I guess, um, uh, analyse and, and accept a clinical style plan. So generally we just do a, a robust proton plan to a CTV um, and our physicist QAs these plans uh, looking at, um, I guess, the, the ranges of difference at certain points on the on the DVH of different structures, but then also analyzes uh, the, the more kind of um, significant um, ranges in the bandwidth of, of the DVH. Uh, and we could just compare them to normal proton, uh, to normal photon plans. Um, however, I do agree with what Denny said for a prono um, specific, I guess, plan challenge um, scenario. It, it is a really, it is a bit tough to compare protons to photons just because like what you said, um, a, a great plan that a, a very reputable clinic might submit might not be, uh, the high scoring plan might not actually be the most clinically relevant plan. So I think that that's, probably a, a very tough area to really approach. 
I'm going to move on to, I have a, a spe another specific question for Brandon and Alexi, but before we leave the mm -hmm. topics of protons, tell me if this is a crazy idea, just conceptually. So whether it's possible or not, table that, but conceptually, what if every plan study could have some kind of robustness simulation where in, in an ideal world we had independent dose calculators for protons and photons, et cetera, and we could basically simulate a small Gaussian curve of potential patient setup errors, target location, something within the realm of possibility statistically, and we could almost have people submit this ideal plan, but we could build robustness in. So you wouldn't have to do a bunch of plans to figure out what the bands are, but the Prono plan study could figure out your bands for you and then apply that to photons, which I think the bands would be narrower just because if you move a patient by a centimeter, it has a lot smaller difference on DVHs for VMAT than it does for protons. But is that something conceptually that would, is that on the right track of an idea? Yeah, I, I think that's a really good idea. Um, and it's actually very interesting you mentioned that because uh, on the new Eclipse update, uh, they allowed for, they've, sorry, introduced um, photon dosimetry robust analysis. So not, ro not robust planning, but now you can calculate um, robust curves and, and get that bandwidth on photon plans. So I've actually been looking at that over the past, well, since Monday, um, been comparing, I guess, a, a clinical style photon plan, but how, um, I guess, weighs up when you put robust situations into it. And it's it's actually kind of interesting. It's not, it's not as, um, I guess, hard and fast as you think it would just using, you know, margins for planning. So, yeah, I think that's a really good idea. It's a good idea, and it just shows that even as we keep developing technology, these same basic questions are worth addressing and improving on. And I think eventually that building that those uncertainties into all, into all plan evaluation and then eventually into optimization, I think it makes a lot of sense. It's exciting. Um, so that's that's great feedback. It kind of tells me that it's a problem still worth looking into, but there's no perfect way as of now. But... Just with Prono, we're always trying to make sure we address people's objections and ideas. So I thought I would ask. Now, Brandon and Alexi, uh, both of you, um, just for the listeners who don't know, the World Championships was a planning competition. And then to compete for the overall place, we allowed people to do a full true composite dose fraction delivery to a phantom and do a dose QA, their calculation in the phantom versus the measurements in the phantom and both brandon and alexi had time to do this i was wondering to, if you can tell us how you did your qa how did you schedule it to make sure you would have time we gave it that didn't have to be submitted within the four hours we had another uh i think 16 or 20 hours we allowed tell us how you did that um was it hard to schedule uh, and your methods um and so for well for the qa portion of it uh, thankfully i have a very supportive uh physics and therapy staff uh, and so when the competition was done, I had asked them to, you know, try to work it in the next morning. You know, the competition for us finished around 8 p.m. So I asked them to work it in the next morning, and we do a uh, we use arc check for it. And um, you know, thankfully they were kind enough to uh, you know take the plan and run that for me. I don't. It's not something I do. I evaluate them and make sure that they pass what our institutional standards are. But I, I don't. Uh, you know, ever run our checks myself or, uh, um, you know, I, I guess a good person to know exactly all the nuts and bolts that go into, you know, it, it passing or not passing. Uh, oh, no, I reviewed and, your results. You know, they, really... they were quite good. They submitted, uh, your team submitted, or you submitted results that your team generated, and they were they were quite good. It was composite, uh, true composite to the arc check phantom, which people probably know is the ring of diodes in a 3D phantom. Um, you know, I've been forgetting to ask this in the interviews, but did you want to give a shout out to, to anyone who helps you do the QA? Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, my physicist, Hassan Al-Khatib and uh, Wonderson, Gebrimlak, Herschel Roberts, and uh, Jack Malaya, they, uh, they all uh, were uh, instrumental. They all, they all helped run it the next morning for me and that, uh, you know, on one of our Versas, one of our machines in clinical use. So, 
you know, I should probably thank the patient that it delayed a little bit too. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, yeah, they were all instrumental. I mean, it really is radiation oncology. It's all a team effort. You know, there's a lot of people involved. It's not just one person who you know gets a person treated with a great plan, a patient treated with a great plan. It's a whole team effort that's required to make it happen. Yeah. So definitely. Yeah, I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad you mentioned that. It's so true. Now, Alexi, you yourself are a physicist. I'm guessing you probably did your own QA. Tell us what happened. Yeah, but it's uh, actually the same situation. I have a separate person who run a QA process on Linux. Uh, it's uh, Mikhail Kuznetsov who, who did it uh, for me. So I asked him to channel it on uh, the agenda uh, for QA and he ran it. But we have a different uh, metrics uh, in our clinic for clinical plans uh, comparing to one provided from Pronel. Uh, because you provide gamma to two, I think. Right. Yeah, and we have uh, gamma three two and gamma two one. So. Oh yes. Yeah. Uh, I think we actually asked asked for three two, which is three two with global normalization, which is consistent with uh, TG two. No oh gosh, two eighteen, and then the two two is just because that's one I'm interested in. Um, so yeah, and then your the device you used for QA for this study was what. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, IB dosimetry matrix evolution, and we, and we run, of course, true composite. So it's not just uh, one direction; it's from all the directions. Right, right. No, it was great. Um, this has this has really been a great meeting. I appreciate your time. We're 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 running out of time, and I think you all have to get to work. Uh, Alexi, a special thanks to you for staying up until 4 a.m. the day of the competition and <laughs> competing. Again, a big thank you to Denny and Ray and Brandon and Alexi who joined us today and to all the other high performers who participated in these interviews and did so well in the first ever World Championships of Treatment Planning. We appreciate your time. We appreciate your good work. Let's keep this momentum up. Let's keep talking together and let's keep getting better. is a Prono Systems production. If you have ideas for a future topic, something you'd like us to explore, or a story that you would like to tell right here on the show, then by all means let us know. We want to hear from you.